Hello and welcome to another episode of the Prop Swap Podcast. We are your hosts, Ian Epstein and Luke Pergandy. And we are also the founders of PropSwap, the first marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Thank you so much for joining us. We've got another season coming up. Uh, we took a little break for the summer, uh, and we have a lot to get to. We will talk about some of the MLB division races, uh, do a little college football talk, um, go over some of the big stories that we missed uh, while we were away over the summer. Uh, but first, Luke, a uh, little check-in. How, uh, how was your summer break? It was good. Brand new uh, scenery for me. I am in a new condo. I moved from Gold Coast to River North. You can kind of see this prop swap neon. I hung up in the background there. Um, try to get that uh, more in the frame as we evolve into the season here. But uh, solid summer. Chicago is an amazing city in the, in the summer and uh, looking forward to football season. Yeah. Um, no, uh, no location or furniture changes, uh, you know, decoration changes for me. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a good summer. I was able to do a, a little bit of traveling outside the country, which, uh, was the first time since, uh, pre COVID. So that was, that was nice. Um, and yeah, back refreshed and, uh, and ready to, uh, get the football season, uh, underway. Um, uh, but before we get into some football stuff, um, next week, I think we'll do a big, NFL centric pod talking about our favorite, you know, player awards and season long props for the season. So um, if you're looking for NFL content, that will, I think a lot of that will come in in next week's episode, but still plenty to get to. Um, before we hop into the sports stuff, I thought we would talk about some of the big stories that happened uh, just quickly uh, with the number one far and away being uh, the deal between uh, Penn and ESPN. Um, if you didn't, if you missed the news, um, Penn had uh, purchased all of Barstool Sports and was licensing the Barstool name uh, for their sports books, whether it was retail in person at a Penn casino or the, the Penn sports betting app was branded as the Barstool app. Um, I think for multiple reasons, which we can get into, uh, Penn basically sold back Barstool to its founder, Dave Portnoy, for $1, um, but there was uh, a couple of contingencies attached to that, including some non-competes, which my personal opinion is that involves not being able to advertise or take advertising dollars from other sports books. Um, and, and then if Portnoy does decide to resell Barstool, uh, Penn will get 50% of the proceeds uh, from that. Uh, and then out his, out his Barstool, in his ESPN, uh, Penn will be paying uh, ESPN about $2 billion over 10 years. Is that, is that right? Um, and uh, a new ESPN bet app will be launching uh, this fall. So, uh, Luke, I'm sure, same as me, you had a bunch of people reach out to you when this deal went, went down. Uh, what were your uh, kind of your first couple thoughts about it? Yeah, uh, Barstool just needs to be a media company. I, I never really understood the jump into sports betting. He needed, Dave Portnoy needed to monetize his company, and Penn National probably was the highest bidder, so I understand, you know, taking the, the sale from them, but they just need to be a media company. Just, they're a little bit edgy. They swear. They, you know, have, have um, some controversial remarks sometimes. So just be a media company. Take ad, take ad uh, advertising sales from a bunch of different companies trying to get the word out and, and just be a platform. So it, it makes sense for them. And then on the ESPN side, I love it from yours and my perspective that we still talk to a ton of investors and industry participants who don't 
view sports betting as a totally like quote unquote legal uh, industry yet. And <laughs> Disney getting into your industry, even though it's just a licensing deal, um, I think is going to be a, a really good net positive for the incumbents. Yeah. Um, just, just talking about the Barstool side of things, cause I'm sure we'll have more time to talk about the ESPN stuff as, as that app comes out and we see kind of, how, you know, how much, uh, branding will be on the, on the television networks. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to either going to be a lot or a lot, a lot, you know? Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think people fully understand like how regulated this industry is. And I don't think Portnoy understood that. I don't think Penn really understood that. And, you know, if one Barstow employee said something controversial, it, the independent have to answer to one body. They had to answer to like 15 different gaming bodies, um, you know, and they were getting fined and, you know, they had just to, to answer for, for what was said. Um, you know, there was another situation where uh, Barstool was doing a live college football show uh, on a college campus and they were advertising, you know, uh, high noon, which is a, like a alcoholic seltzer. And then they got, so they got in trouble for, basically mixing gambling with alcohol on a college campus and like they got in trouble for that and fined for that. And so, um, I think, uh, I think, yeah, I mean, Penn didn't exactly know what they're getting themselves into. And, um, I think they probably decided that, you know, the, the upside was not worth the downside and having to, um, you know, go in front of these gaming regulators all the time and, you know, have their license revoked or have to fire a Barstool employee because of something. So, um, I do think it was, probably smart in the long run for Penn to disassociate with a company like Barstool, just given how highly regulated um, this, this industry is. Um, speaking of sports books and changes, uh, another kind of big story is that WinBet, uh, which is you know, different than the, the land-based casinos of Win, kind of, but, you know, same ownership, but WinBet, which was active in about a dozen different states, um, including Nevada and Massachusetts, where they have uh, land-based casinos, but uh, 10 other states where they don't have a retail presence, uh, they are shutting down their operations. Uh, this is after... Uh, many talks about them looking for someone to acquire them. Um, Fanatics was seen as a potential buyer, but then that kind of went out the door when um, when they acquired points bet instead. Uh, and so, you know, this is kind of one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest operators to have started up, invested a lot of money. I mean, they paid Ben Affleck, they paid Shaq, they paid Julian Edelman. Um, and Shaq, Shaq, Shaq had to sell a Sacramento Kings stock he had he had ownership in the sacramento kings you know up and coming team that a, a amazing season last year and growing um that you know <laughs> i can't imagine shaq's happy about that i'm sure he got you know some cash and um got some stock and win potential wins a public company they're they're a casino company maybe he got stock in that parent company maybe not but he had to he had to sell his king stock it sucks for shaq yeah so um you know, any, any general thoughts? I mean, it was kind of like in comes ESPN, out goes win. Um, the other interesting thing is that they kind of made a note in this press release that, uh, you know, TBD on their New York license, uh, which I took to mean that, um, you know, Fanat you know, a company like Fanatics could purchase that license from them um, or, you know, or another company that, that has, has been, or sorry, or, or uh, not not Fnatic because Fnatic is going to get New York access with with points bet, but uh, the Penn ESPN yeah. Penn did not have access in New York, and uh, you know obviously ESPN has studios uh, in New York, just you know a huge a huge presence there, uh, and so that New York license could definitely be 
sold off to another company like like Penn, you know, slash ESPN bet. Um, but any other thoughts, you know, from that from that announcement? Yeah, no, definitely. That's that's why WinBet um, kept that that license active so they can flip it. They're the, to me, they're they're definitely out of New York. They'll, the tax rate already is fifty one percent in New York. There's no reason to run a business there unless you're just you know trying to you know, show that you're in to, to all the other states that you're live in New York. But no, it doesn't make sense for Win to hold that. So yeah, they'll be out of that. They'll they'll flip that to. I agree. Penn Penn National is clearly the most likely suitor. Yeah, um, but I think it just goes to show how tough it is to operate a successful sports book in a state that you don't have a physical presence or an existing database. Um, you know, MGM and Caesars, they've got, you know, casinos scattered around the country more so than, than, uh, than Wynn does. Um, obviously, FanDuel and DraftKings entered in with a huge database of fantasy players. Um, but if you don't have one of those two things, it's, it's very tough to, to, uh, to make a name. Uh, and you know the amount of money it takes to to get to that level is is at a, at a certain point it's kind of a, a declining um, return there yeah mm-hmm. um, so you know we'll see we'll see you know more that comes of that deal um, you know I don't think this will be you know uh, a sign of things to come for other operators like this you know I don't think MGM and Caesars are are going anywhere but um, definitely a, a telling sign that both WinBet and PointsBet. Um, basically are, are shutting down uh, U.S. after a, a huge, huge investment uh, in this country. Um, next on the list, uh, you know, and this is kind of close to home for us a little bit, uh, but over the last couple of months, there's been a slight uh, crackdown on these DFS pick'em style contests. Uh, if you don't know what these are, um, essentially you can pick, at le- you have to pick at least two over or unders on uh, a player's performance um, and the number, the, the more picks you make, uh, the higher payout is. And it's you versus uh, the house essentially, um, not like the traditional daily fantasy, you know, seasonal fantasy where it's you versus your friends or the traditional DFS where it's you versus a bunch of strangers, but it's all, you know, in a pool of money and, and uh, it's, you know, person versus person, but this is you versus the house. Um, and, you know, this is kind of, it, it was a slow grow. And then all of a sudden the last year or two, it just absolutely boomed. It feels like, uh, as in my opinion, the started to get a little more aggressive in terms of the different picks you could make. So, you know, it started out being like Aaron Rodgers over under 30 fantasy points this week. Uh, and then, it, but then it got down to, you know, I remember this, this spring, uh, it was like, um, RJ Barrett over under eight, uh, points in the first quarter of a game. And so it started getting kind of more and more minute and, uh, you know, definitely their, their businesses, uh, have skyrocketed most notably prize picks and underdog fantasy are, are the two biggest players in the space. But, um, the first ripple kind of started, um, at a conference that, uh, that you attended, uh, called nickel G's, uh, which stands for the national council of gaming, uh, of national Councilors of regulators and gaming states, something, something like that. Le- Legis- le- yeah. Le- legal gaming states. Yeah. Or legislators in gaming states. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and a, uh, a lobbyist for, um, for FanDuel kind of hourly spoke about how they felt that, you know, this was sports betting and, and they were, um, kind of breaking the law by operating an unlicensed sports book. Uh, oh, an article in the wall street journal came out talking about this. 
Um, obviously, the the company's Prize Picks and uh, Underdog they had something to say about it, basically saying that they operate legally within the fantasy you know um, structure that had been set up, ironically, by FanDuel and DraftKings uh, a couple of years earlier. Uh, but ever since that conference and that Wall Street Journal article. Um, states like New York and Michigan have proposed rules to ban these types of DFS games. Um, Wyoming uh, is sent them a cease and desist letter. Uh, last year, Maryland and West Virginia uh, sent them cease and desist letters, um, but that kind of went under the radar. And there seems to be kind of a growing, um, you know, concern over these from these states and regulators. Um, and why I said this was uh, close to home for us is that, uh, you know, a couple like ours, prop swap. We also kind of live in this in this environment where um, you know we've had you know m- a ton of legal analyses in different states and countrywide, and you know we feel comfortable in in the space that we live in. Um, but you know, it's it's kind of always up inter- up for interpretation. Uh, and you know, the guy that or the person that runs a state one day, it's a different person the next year, and they could have a totally different take on on the whole thing. So, uh, what what are your thoughts on on this whole uh, kind of crackdown? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, us as entrepreneurs, I'm always going to be in the entrepreneur's corner. So I support what Prize Picks and Underdog and a few different other guys are trying to accomplish. Um, you know, do I think that um, <laughs> the, do I think it's probably closer to sports betting than ours is? Like with us, obviously, you had to make a bet somewhere at a licensed sports book and then it can be sold on PropSwap. So, like, there isn't a new wager that's happening on PropSwap. And that and their situation, like like you mentioned, and Aaron Rodgers over under fantasy points or RJ Barrett in the first quarter points total, like that's probably a new wager. Um so I, I I'm I'm in support of them. Um, but do I think they'll probably eventually have to get full sports betting licenses? Probably. Yeah. Uh or another thing that could happen, and actually Col- uh, Underdog just got approved in Colorado. Uh, however, Colorado told them uh, that it had to be over or under fantasy points. They could not offer, um, you know, more like sportsbook style props. So I okay. think if I think if these st- if these stuck with the over or under fantasy points, then then we're still in the fantasy realm. But if you start basically being able to compile a parlay that you could do at you know your traditional sports book that's when i think maybe they're gonna uh, cross the line but once again colorado um kind of at the forefront always um i uh, i love how um you know willing to work with the companies in the industry that the state is so uh kudos to to colorado for that all right that will wrap up uh kind of some quick hits on these headlines uh, before we get to uh, stake or swap, um, I thought I wanted to go over a couple of these MLB division races that have been going on uh, over the summer. Um, first, talk about the AL West. Uh, if you haven't been following this, uh, the Seattle Mariners are uh, are just on a on a torrid pace this month in August, uh, and they have found themselves back in the mix. However, if you go back to August eighth. The Rangers were 68 and 46 with a three game lead over the Astros and a six and a half game lead over the Mariners. At that time, the odds to win the AL West were Rangers minus 140, Astros plus 130, and Mariners at 16 to 1. Since then, the Rangers have gone 6 and 11, and the Mariners have gone 14 and 4. The odds now are Astros the favorite at plus 150, Mariners plus 160, and now the Rangers are third uh, to win the division at plus 210. Why do I bring this up? Well, 
Earlier this month, uh, there was a Rangers to win the AL West ticket up for sale on PropSwap with a collect amount of $9,400. There were a lot of buyers interested in this ticket, uh, submitting many bids. uh, Over uh, over a 10-day period, there was a a ton of bids that came in uh, for for the seller. Um, Just to run through a couple, August 10th, bid of $4,750. August 17th, a bid of $5,400. August 18th, 5625 but then the bid started to go down uh august 20th a bid of 4720 and then finally uh the seller selected a, uh, uh accepted a bid at $4850 so in just 2 days the the seller had rejected a bid of 5625 and then 2 days later accepted it for $775 less so the seller cost themselves 775 by you know, I think trying, I think he's trying to get like $50, $100 more dollars. And in return, two days later, he's, he's selling that ticket for $775 less. Um, now, I should point out that the market value of that ticket today, only a little week, uh, eight days later, is $3,000. So it was, it was smart of the seller to take that money because uh, he could have cost himself a lot more if, if he was still haggling. But um, I know that's a lot of numbers, but uh, the, the headline there is, um, rejected a bid of fifty six twenty five two days later accepted a bid for seven hundred seventy five dollars less um so uh any any thoughts uh on that yeah i mean look that's that's a great sale still you know to, to still walk with forty eight fifty um and it collects you know it's basically uh, a coin flip it pays out ninety four hundred you're accepting forty eight fifty so um you know, good job. I'm I'm happy for him. Um, I personally don't think the Rangers are going to win that division. So um, I just I, Bruce Boch is incredible. Like what he's one of the best managers ever. So for him to turn around that that Rangers team is in, is amazing. But um, yeah, I think I think taking the cash in this situation, especially in hindsight, where it went from forty eight fifty to being worth three thousand, it was it was wise. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he, the seller knew he wanted to get off his ticket. And, you know, if you look, and if you kind of look at our transaction data, you can see he was like countering, you know, he, he wasn't just flat out rejecting. He was countering, but it was like for like a hundred bucks more, like uh, 150 more. Yeah. And it's like at a certain point, and we'll get to another example here, it's like, you know, I think I, I get you, you won't have a price in mind, but at the same time, you got to think like the percentage difference of that, you know, of, of, you know, if someone's offering fifty six twenty five and you want fifty seven hundred, like what's really the percentage difference there of, of in the grand scheme of things? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, there's there's still a month left to go in the season. Um, but yeah, the Rangers could be a victim of just getting hot at the wrong time. Um, but it will be interesting to see if the Mariners um, can keep up this pace that they've had in August. Can they keep it up in September? Because they could also flame out as well too. You know, um, and uh, you know, there's still there's still a good amount of baseball left to play. Obviously. You know, at the end of the season, it's a lot of intra division games. So, um, you know, we, we'll, we will uh, we'll see. We'll we'll be monitoring uh, this this situation. Um, another division story is in the NL Central, where uh, we had a customer with a Reds to win the division ticket. He bet one hundred and thirty seven dollars at one hundred to one odds on the Reds uh, before the season to win the NL Central on July thirteenth. A bid was submitted for $5,000 on this ticket. Again, he bet $137. Uh, the seller countered for $5,300. So he wanted 300 bucks more uh, off that 
$5,000 uh, bid. Um, the, the buyer declined to, to, to meet him at $5,300. Uh, at the time, the Reds were 50 and 41 with a one game lead over the Brewers and a seven game lead over the Cubs. Since then, Luke, the Reds are 18 and 23 and are now 20 to one odds to win the division. And that ticket has a market value of $660. It's still currently up for sale. Uh, the seller has has <laughs> since dropped the price. But uh, this one is even more brutal um, to to counter a bid of 5,000 with 5,300 and he's looking like he may, if he does sell it, it'll be, you know, in the $600 range. Um, but it may not sell at all at this point. Yeah. So if you would have taken $5,000, uh, off a $137 bet, that's a 36.5 X return on his money. Um, <laughs> like how many people hit 30, to one winners on a baseball ticket in in July, you know, like he he could have got off this in July, I believe, or like if not really early August. Um, so yeah, I and first of all, this is an incredible bet. Like I, the fact that they were even a hundred to one is is a great number. I I have to imagine that was the best number on the Reds to win the division. Like hundred to one to win a division is crazy. Uh, in in a crap division, like the NL Central is terrible. Like the Cubs were gonna they were supposed to stink, the Pirates were supposed to stink, Milwaukee was supposed to be good, not great, and the Cardinals were supposed to be red right in between those all those teams. Like you know, to get a hundred to one on an NL Central division winner is awesome. So to me, like not taking profit on that thing is was was silly. So. Um, yeah, and this this is a this is a prominent prominent customer of ours, so he he knows better. So yeah, I really really good bet finding a divisional team, and uh, you just gotta take the cash on that thing, especially at at that point in time and at the you know halfway point of the season. Yeah, um, and I think this you know I'd have to do a little more research on this, but like I think it's worth considering like if you're halfway through the season, right, and you bet some you you have a hundred to one bet. And they're the favorite now, and you've and you have a chance to make a lot of money, um, but like the the could revert back to the mean, right? Like the sports books made them huge long shots, kind of for a reason. Now I get things can change, and and the and sports books can get things wrong, but like you do have to at the end of the day kind of remember like this is a team that was not supposed to be good. They're exceeding expectations. You know, I get yeah, it's a weak division, and and maybe you're not worried about the Brewers or the Cubs at that point, but like. At the end of the day, it's it's still a team that that was not expected to to, to do well, and you may want to be able to you may want to factor in like what their preseason rankings were, what their preseason odds were, uh, you know. And the converse of that would be like if a team was favored before the season and then has a really slow start, kind of look at those to be like, okay, like again, revert back to the mean. Like you can get maybe good value on a team that got off to a slow start. You know, I'm thinking like you know, the Bengals last year, like the, the off to a slow start, but the, the came back, right? Like, um, I think that is a way to, that is something to factor in when it comes to selling your bets, you know, mid season. And then also looking for yeah. value opportunities is, is a reversion back to the mean, which clearly the, the reds have, have done over the last month and a half. It's a great point. Completely agree that when deciding whether to sell a bet, go try and find the preseason odds. And then, um, you know, obviously if it's on your ticket or just do some research, um, uh, and then also when deciding to buy a futures bet, see what their preseason odds were as well. And like, you know, what's happened since that point. Yeah. And look, and clearly he wanted to sell it. That's why he listed it for sale. Um, and 
you know, it's just it's just tough that they were they were so close together and uh, and couldn't get the deal done. But I'm I'm sure that buyer's happy. Um, but yeah, to your point uh, about strategies and stuff like that, I think that's a good lead in to talk about um, a new selling course uh, that that we're launching. Uh, we will have videos on on different topics and get more into the weeds on on how to use PropSwap, uh, some some success stories, um, and just kind of get more into the weeds and really show customers how you can how you can make money on this. Um, so Luke, I know you've, you've kind of taken this on, uh, what can you tell the people about, uh, about our new courses? Yeah. So we just launched, um, it's about an 11 minute course. You can find it on our Instagrams, the, the link in our bio on PropSwap's Instagram page. Um, we talk about this first video talks about three different football based bets, football based futures, obviously PropSwap specializes in futures that a single customer based in Iowa made last football season and how that culminated in him making $75,000 by selling only. We're not even talking about buying in this situation, selling only he cleared $75,000 in profit in one football season. And, and the, these were bets that all ended up losing too. Yeah. They did all end up losing. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I'm not gonna, I don't want to, uh, give it away, but, uh, you know, and it's not free. It's people have been asking us to come out of these videos for a super long time. It's 1995. Um, we thought that that price point was reasonable given what a lot of people charge for picks. PropSwap is not in that business. We don't charge for picks. We do, of course, this free podcast every week. This video is 1995. It gives you steps, three separate bets, and then the insight into why and how this customer made those bets, and then ultimately how he, being one of PropSwap's best customers, made 75K in a five-month football season. Yeah, so um, definitely go check that out on the PropSwap Instagram page. Um, and then if you have any suggestions of videos you would like to, to see and, uh, and things you'd like to learn, please feel free to, uh, hit us on Twitter, or excuse me, uh, hit us on X, uh, at PropSwap, uh, or, uh, send us an email, uh, info at PropSwap.com. We would love to hear what types of videos you'd be interested in, in, in hearing, because, uh, obviously Luke and I, we've had, you know, uh, close to nine years of experience doing this. So, uh, we, we kind of see the, uh, the trends and, and what works and what doesn't work. So uh, please feel free to uh, send us some, uh, some video topic ideas. We'd love to uh, hear from you. Uh, and then before we get into Stake or Swap, uh, we wanna try out a new segment, um, working title, the sports trivia segment. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, be, we'll, we'll work on a, another name uh, as, uh, as cool as uh, Stake or Swap. But um, you know, uh, I thought, you know, to uh, fun for the listeners, uh, fun for us, uh, every week uh, I will uh, ask a little trivia question that has uh, something to do that's timely or, you know, revolves around something that's, that's kind of timely. So um, without further ado, let's get into uh, this week's sports trivia question. Luke, the uh, Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. has the most number of Heisman bets and the second highest liability at DraftKings. The last wide receiver to win the Heisman was Devontae Smith in 2020. But prior to him, only one wide receiver has ever won the Heisman Trophy. Who was it? And folks, this I'm not Googling here. Ian's looking at me with my hands on my uh, folded here, so I'm not Googling. Yeah. Um, I want to say Michael Crabtree, 
but I know that's incorrect. He was he was nominated. I'm pretty confident, but I do yeah. not think uh, Michael Jackson. Early early nineties. I don't know. I think, uh, answer is Desmond Howard. Oh, of in, course, in 1991, uh, the at that point in time was the first uh, wide receiver to win the Heisman and was the only one to do it until Devonte Smith, 2020, and now, like I said, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., the Ohio State uh, wide receiver, has the most number of bets and second highest liability at DraftKings. So uh, take that uh, for what that's worth. Uh, And so uh, now it's time for a little steak or swap. Sticking on the college football theme, uh, we had week zero this past weekend, but uh, the full slate kicks off in uh, in true th- uh, this weekend, Labor Day weekend. Uh, so uh, we'll be talking about one of the uh, quote-unquote sleeper teams, uh, Texas, to win the college football championship, currently 25-1. to 1. Uh, I will go first. I am staking Texas um, as uh, as going to be the eventual winner of the Big 12 and, uh, and making the college football playoff. Um, I'll just add a note here. This time last year, TCU was two hundred fifty to one. Uh, however, I did not. I didn't have the uh, the, the uh, gonads to to go that far down the uh, the odds board. But uh, something to keep in mind: two hundred fifty to one TCU. Um, but uh, I'm liking another team from the Big Twelve this year: Texas twenty five to one. Uh, outside of their running backs, uh, including Bijan Robinson. Every key contributor from their offense is returning, uh, and this includes quarterback Quinn Ewers, who is currently third on the odds board uh, to win the Heisman. Um, If you recall, Texas could have and should have beaten Alabama in week two last year. Uh, Ewers was knocked out of the game at the end of the first quarter due to injury uh, and only lost by one. Uh, And to kind of show the the difference in in how people are respecting this Texas team this year, Texas was a 21-point home underdog in that game last year against Alabama. Uh, they will play again next weekend at Alabama, where Texas is only a six-and-a-half-point underdog. So, I mean, that's a huge, huge difference uh, in the level of respect for for Texas this year. Um, and you know, they are even money favorite to win the Big 12. Um, I, you know, I think the Big 12 is strong enough. Uh, they've got you know 14 teams, really deep conference. Uh, that's a conference that is strong enough where you know, if there's a one loss, maybe even two loss champion out of there, um, they have a, a legit shot to to make the college f- football playoff. So uh, for those reasons, I am staking Texas 25 to one to win the championship. Great point about TCU, obviously 250 to one in, in August last year. So it, yet again, it pays to bet long shots. Um, I am going to swap Texas for two reasons. One is Steve Sarkeesian's off-the-field issues. That was just a weird um, situation with him leaving the Bama um, coaching staff. There was, like, alcohol involved. He was, like, drinking in the facility. Just, like, odd scenario. So just want to stay away from that. That was USC. I think you're thinking of USC. The USC staff. yeah. yeah, and then he kind of like rehabbed himself as the OC at Alabama, and then and like that's how he got the Texas job. But it was it was the USC job where like yeah, there was it, it was, was a bad bad news. Like why why are we drinking at the facility with, with college kids? Um, so yeah, just kind of a weird background with him. He's clearly talented. My God, like he's been on so many elite coaching staffs and is 
knows football. He knows ball incredibly well. I do believe in him on the field. Just some weird stuff that's happened in his past off the field. And then what what do you do with this Arch Manning Quinn Ewers like like yeah. competition? So, like is that gonna like Ewers is gonna be like breathing, you know, feel Manning just breathing down his neck the whole year. Yeah, so that was going to be a point that I was going to make, but I kind of left it off there, which is that uh, I don't have the exact date, but Sarkeesian named Ewers the starter very early on in, in the summer, which uh, I took as a good sign where it's like, you know, not putting any doubt out there. Like, it's your team. Like, you shouldn't you shouldn't feel like Manning is looking, you know, you know, you should be watching your back. I saw some quotes about, like, one of the wide receivers talking about, like, the biggest difference between Ewers this summer and last summer is, is, is leadership. Uh, and so from everything I've read, it seems like Sarkeesian is like is is giving viewers the kind of the keys and, you know, it's, it's his job to lose and he shouldn't be, you know, looking behind his back. But, you know, but again, you know, you know, football is in Texas. If he has one bad game, you know, the the alumni could be, you know, shouting Manning's name there. <laughs> got a got a couple uh, <laughs> uncles that were pretty darn good. Um, so, yes, just just some stuff to be wary of, but obviously it pays to bet long shots. It This happens every single season, so won't go into all the prior samples we talked about in this podcast, but, like, definitely shop the board. We'll certainly have more staker swaps as the season unravels. Um, to Ian's point, 251 TCU made all the way to the championship. Yeah, and look, I mean, just because they're even money favorites to win the Big 12 obviously does not make them a lock, but, like, you can either bet them even money, you know, bet 100 to win 100 to win the Big 12, or, you know, if you think a Big 12 championship gets them in the playoff, I guarantee you, you will make more than, you know, uh, two, you know, you know, you will make more than double your money mm-hmm. um, if if the, if you get 25 to one and then they make it to the to the uh, to the playoff. So yep. uh, just something to keep in mind, you know, comparing championship odds versus uh, conference odds. Yep. Uh, and then uh, switching back to baseball, uh, we'll talk about the uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. Of course, uh, they got hot uh, over the summer. You know, bad bad start, got hot, and then made it all the way to the World Series, uh, where the the loss to the Astros. Uh, but currently, Phillies are at twenty to one to win the World Series. Uh, Luke, we'll start with you. Are you staking or swapping the Phillies? Yeah. So they are the third. Uh, best team according to the odds in the national league braves of course plus 330 they've been just unbelievable this year at DraftKings. uh la dodgers plus 400 at DraftKings, plus 425 mgm and then the phillies are the next team after you skip five al teams so to me this is a bet on either the braves or the dodgers getting upset at some point you know maybe it's to the phillies maybe it's to another team and I think back to last year where the Dodgers lost to the rival, you know, the Padres um, in the playoffs. So it's it's a gamble on one of those two teams losing. And then, you know, hopefully they can pull off an upset with the other team that's outstanding, that's left standing. Um, so 20 to one odds in the Phillies went to the World Series last year, have kind of caught fire. Trey Turner still needs to pick up um, his performance, but solid pitching staff. Bryce Harper's back and playing well. Real Muto's a beast. So good roster. I'll take twenty to one. I I am going to swap the Phillies at twenty to one. You know, if this was like forty to one, I'd, I'd be more into it. But twenty yeah. to one, you better have like a you know a very legit shot. Um, you know, clearly they're not going to win the division. Um, they're going to get a wild card spot. Um, but you know, as we see time and time again, you know, bullpen and pitching um, are are really what 
what you know helps you know push the team over over the edge uh and so right now philly currently in the league um the rank 11th in strikeouts per nine innings the rank 11th in uh, hits per nine innings uh, 11th in home runs per nine innings like uh i just don't see this pitching staff as being that strong enough to to push them over the edge again if this is 40 to one you know maybe i'd be more interested but at 20 to one you got to really kind of uh i think have a, a more legit shot um and then Another category I like to look at is, is run differential. Uh, in the National League, the Braves at plus 219, the Dodgers at plus 152, then a drop off to the Cubs at plus 79, uh, and then you've got the Phillies at, at plus 68. Uh, and so while they are fourth in the league in, in run differential, um, that just leads me to believe that like I just don't see them springing an upset against the the Braves or the Dodgers. Uh, and so you know if you can't even make it to the um, – NLCS, uh, I don't think 21 is, is worth it. So um, for those reasons, I'm going to swap the Phillies at, at 20 to 1. So <clears throat> that will do it. Um, thank you again for, for tuning in. I uh, hope you guys all had a great summer, and we are excited to be back. Uh, like I said, next week uh, we'll be talking all NFL, so please make sure to tune in. Uh, but before you do that, uh, hit the subscribe button, leave us a rating, and then we will talk to you next week. 